Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Tuesday is upon us. We are back post-Labor Day holiday, so markets not really starting out with a big bang as Sam Hudson joins us from Corn Belt Marketing. I think that's just it, Sam. It was one of a kind of a quieter Tuesday type of trade. Yeah, and you come out of a long uh, you know, holiday weekend. Uh, there was a little bit of optimism last week, stemming from the thoughts that we could finally, you know, hear some sort of uh, announcement on, on ethanol and how Trump may or may not save that industry. You know, but the fact that we've got a non-threatening weather forecast in here, we've had, uh, you know, everywhere's pretty much had a decent little shot of rain here the last two, three weeks. Uh, no threatening temperatures, and if anything, uh, a, you know, normal to maybe even above normal look, and some of these extended outlooks for the temperature, which pretty much removes the, f- the frost threat at least for now. Um, and now the markets are going to start to prepare for next week's uh, USDA report next Thursday on the 12th. And uh, we're going to have good, excellent readings here this afternoon. General expectation to see that you know improve a little bit with the weather that we've had. But the fact that those numbers don't really match up with what you know, USDA has written down in terms of yield, you know, I don't know that anyone's even looking at these these ratings too much at this point. Well, you know, I know just just around here you get pockets where things look absolutely beautiful, and then you see other pockets where it's just pure devastation. And my understanding is we see that from the east coast to the uh, you know from the west corn belt to the eastern corn belt is what I was trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, you know, further west, you may have an issue where, you know, there's some areas affected by too much rainfall here in the last uh, 60 days, maybe uh, potentially some wind and hail in there, too. And then you move further east where we were just you know, horribly wet all spring and then kind of dried up uh, between the mid- middle of uh uh, you know, June, July time frame until early August. But uh, with what the USDA is throwing out here in terms of, you know, data, uh, they're going to have enumerators and, you know, tabulating data here this week for the crop report next week. Uh, it, it's just hard to come up with a number that can be real supportive when you see the demand structure the way it is. We've continued to see, you know, demand losses on the ethanol side. Uh, despite the dramatic flat price break in corn prices here in the U.S., we have yet to really see any impact in in our export market. Uh, South America's supplies are still a little bit cheaper than ours. Uh, still justifies moving them first. And the farmer's still been pretty reluctant seller. So it may actually take until we get new crop harvest online to see uh, more export activity stimulated at this point. And at that point, everything, at least the talks I have heard, is still going to be a good two weeks behind the normal schedule. Yeah, without question. I mean, uh, and even in areas where they thought maybe we'd be able to get something done here in, in late September, depending on what weather forecast looks like here or weather actually turns out to be over the next few weeks, that may or may not happen. I do think you'll have some combines in the field in the, in the central Midwest by the end of September, though, um, unless the forecast just turns wet and stays that way. So, but, but again, without a threat here on the horizon from a weather standpoint, we turn to all the geopolitical situations, and there's just really nothing to be excited about on that side of things. Before we look at the geopolitical side of it, I do want to touch on one other area of weather. There's a lot of uh, frost talk that's out there. Is it just because there's nothing else to talk about weather-wise? Let's just kind of start adding that into the marketplace. Well, it's partly that, and we kind of get that every year to a certain degree. But I think with the general latency that we have this year with crops being planted, um, you know, late May, even into June, and, and parts of you know Minnesota, even to South Dakota, uh, you know, still part of the you know, loose elusiveness in terms of putting a yield number down and a supply number down is what's going to be chopped for silage, what's going to be, you know, harvested for grain, where the harvested acres look like. Keep in mind, if we do adjust those for the corn market, you likely see a reduction in feed usage of, you know, in-kind amount. So uh, we're just going to be 
talking about this for months. We're going to be talking about this probably this time next year even. <laughs> um, and I think, if anything, still has a bigger prospect of seeing a bigger supply cut, regardless of what demand does. It could be soybeans in the sense that we could see the yield and harvested acres still come down, whereas corn, yeah, harvested acres could come down, but we still have to you know, take into account what's being chopped. And uh, it's just hard to see USDA coming down in a big way compared to what they did in August. And again, we're really not going to see any of those numbers till next month's report, but then or next week's report, excuse me, and then the pressure that's going to continue to build until those combines roll. Right, and and the harvest can you know be a double edged sword there too, where maybe it will confirm that these yields are maybe a little bit lower than what everyone was you know considered possible. But in the same breath, it's also going to keep the you know start that uh, that harvest flow. And even though we may be strung out this year, you're still going to have some form of hedge pressure out there uh, as we move forward into 2020. So, is the pressure going to be more on this month's report, or is it going to really wait till October? You know, it may just be a gradual uh, situation at hand here. It almost feels like uh, the market is more focused on the lack of demand as opposed to the possibility on supply change adjustments at this point because those adjustments at this point probably can't be all that large. You know, if you have no frost to contend with, if you have, you know, a number that you think could be in the ballpark that you just don't know until the combines go, well, the only surety they can have then at that point is, is what they are not seeing on the demand side. Unfortunately, that's the stark, um, you know, obvious, uh, you know, point today uh, from a bean standpoint our inspections are running smooth enough that i don't know that we'll expect huge cuts there uh, from old crop marketing year standpoint as we end this year out or the 18 19 year and kind of put that in the rear view uh, but usda does have fodder that if we don't have any trade deals as, as time moves forward they'll continue to cut that demand outlook so even though we could be cutting the supply we could be cutting the demand at the same time and it may last that way at this point until the election and for corn we just got to find some demand uh ethanol market the way epa has handled things with small refinery exemptions and the fact that we rationed demand here earlier in the year that appears that we didn't need to, um, now we've got to fight our way back into that market share. So is there still some hope? You know, we saw the president make those comments last week that they were working through it and we're going to try to come back to give some sort of assistance after those 30 waivers. Or do you think um, at this time market looking at it is just more political talk? Well, I think it's kind of approaching that in some in similarity to how it's uh, approached the trade wars. You know, headlines are great to see and hear and talk about, but... You know, it's been so long of hearing and seeing those now with really no definitive conclusion to it or action behind it. And it just seems like the, the trade is going to ignore anything until we actually have something down on paper. So I, and I think that's what they're trying to figure out. But to me, it uh, seems like quite a hill to climb to think that the, uh, the president can kind of, can more or less just undo what these small refinery exemptions have done over the course of the last four years. It, it, you know, if there's going to be a like, um, you know, reversion there, it's going to have to happen over the, same course of time so it's not going to be anything in my opinion that hits the market right away and it's going to be uh, probably a while before we really even see a hit at all all right well stick around folks we're going to take a look at the bright side in today's market trade that's the livestock it's the fontanelle final bell on the rural radio network Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joins us from Corn Belt Marketing. We were looking uh, from the political uh, standpoint, and you talk about the, the world influence that's on the trade. Obviously, still so much trade talk and optimism that we might still see some discussions happening with China. We know that Japan's being worked through. So there's just a lot of fingers in this pot when it comes to the way grain and livestock are trading. 
It is, and you know, when we talk about one of our main competitors being uh, the supply of South America, you know, you look at their currency situation, and though they had kind of a flash in the pan in that real here about a month ago, that currency is still trading around the lowest levels that we've seen in, in about a year. Uh, so when you see the dollar you know, near the highs for the move, uh, when you look at like a weekly or monthly chart, uh, it just continues to work against us. So and that's, you know, it goes back to the comments you made earlier about you know finding that demand. Sometimes the market just has to go deep enough to, to solve that problem. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to happen at a time where the farmers are going to have to get ready to, to harvest another crop. Uh, so I would imagine that whatever inventories cannot be stored would you know be priced or somehow moved across the scale, uh, and then the bin keys are going to get locked up again as we head into winter. And, and that really may be the best chance uh, of increased demand in the U.S. sees. Uh, there is a you know when you look at the pace of Brazilian bean exports, you just wonder how thin their supplies could be as we get into the end of their marketing year before their harvest does. Uh, transpire you know you get into that december really after thanksgiving time frame maybe we can capture you know a decent little chunk of uh, corn and bean movement here before their their harvest starts up again and you know for what it's worth if there is a supply problem down there from a weather standpoint uh, i do think that uh you know after shaving 10 million acres off of harvested acres here in the u.s compared to what we expected earlier in the year uh maybe we'll finally feel the ramifications of that but uh you know it's still predicated on things happening are we going to feel a little maybe tight-fisted shall we say when it comes to to moving any of this new crop not knowing what the future holds or are we going to see guys just locking some prices in place just to say i need to get it done well i think it's going to depend on their their year-to-year fiscal situation you know the cash flow environment um obviously you know the Ag just hasn't had a real good run of it the last few years, and I think there's probably a good chance that some corn got sold, at least for old crop, pretty decent values. I think the challenge was, and in, in the one you really feel tough about is, is in the eastern corn belt where this corn was being put in in June, really the only chance the guy had at that was just you know, going out and selling against his insurance guarantee the day he put that crop in the ground, whether it was June 9th or not. And, and it's kind of difficult to wrap your head around that um, when we were seeding so many acres there in the mud and you think about the dynamic and how, what had to transpire to see all this happen. I think people are going to want to stay, uh, you know, connected to this crop as long as they can, whether it's old or new crop inventories, in hopes that we see some higher prices. But there again, we, it's predicated on some other things happening first, including uh, these geopolitical situations we've mentioned, and, and weather is still going to play a, a vital role. And as I said today, there's just no risk here for the U.S. crop. Well, you know, Sam, we came into this Tuesday market after a three-day holiday weekend with some positive numbers for the cattle. I mean, we saw the feeder cattle go into some triple-digit gains early on this morning. Yeah, and when you look at those markets, you got to feel that part of this is still, uh, you know, the market readjusting after the, the whole Kansas, uh, you know, fire down there and everything, and, you know, the market really taking a beating. And in the meantime, we continue to devalue the corn market. So when you look at those two, you know, together, kind of going hand in hand, you wonder if we can see a little bit of a, a jump in those futures. As long as the cash holds together, and that's been something that we've been needing and monitoring for months here, is making sure that the cash can lead the way and the bull spreads can lead the way. Um, if, if the corn market can stay suppressed, you would think the feeder market's got the best chance of still doing that. You look at the discount that we have to the cash cash markets, and uh, still definitely a highlight in this meat trade. Are we going to still see some short-term, long-term concerns, though, with the viability of where this market's been going? I, I think so, and I think when we look at that in the biggest, big picture on a, you know the grandest scale we can, if we really zoomed out, I still think the hog market could have a lot to do with that. You know, when you look at just protein values in general, we've seen a 25-30% rise. Um, you know, and, and uh, I believe month to month in, in China for their pork prices. And, you know, one of the big ghostly numbers over there is how much they have in frozen stocks. Uh, how, how long will they allow themselves to kind of wean themselves off of that before they really have to start rebuilding? And in the meantime, we continue to see, you know, new cases of ASF. So it's still swirling around Asia, South Pacific. And, you know, until that is really completely uh, eradicated, 
um, it's going to be a drag on this market. You know, that's been a market that has been so closely watching it, and there's a lot of hopes and dreams that have come and gone because of it. It seems to have that ebb and flow since April, not really knowing what we're going to see and when that tangible purchases will really come our way. Yeah, you know, you, you see the, the evolution of it and everything, and then, of course, along the way, there's the fears that we get it here in the U.S., but, you know, prices just kind of get out ahead of themselves when all this happened, and this was happening all at the same time while uh, the corn and soybean prices were kind of going going nuts, too, or at least trying to, so uh, it's just been interesting to see how everything has transpired here over the last six to eight months, and now we have to see, you know, there again, just like in the, the cattle uh, when can cash hog prices really take hold and reflect what's going on in China? Um, how long will it be and then to what degree? What is the key thing you want producers to think about either grain or livestock as we wrap up this uh, today's trading going into the rest of the week? I, I think it's, you know, continue to plan for the short term and long term. I mean, it's great to have whatever long term outlook you want to, but you have to make sure you still meet those short term needs. And I think they're not betting too much on you know one thing happening or not i, I think it's something that's been tough in this market especially when you look at the weather and how things have, have fallen into place this year what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you 800-655-3380 or www.cornbuttmarketing.com and that's a fontanelle final bell brought to you by fontanelle and all the local dealers on the rural radio network you're listening to the rural radio network